O is for the only one I see. V. Johnny, 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 Johnny. This is not your audition tape. This is what in the history. Dan, you know I will go off on anything as long as oh. you keep enough radio silence. Oh, yeah, man. So anyway, welcome uh, to episode 17, What in the History. I'm Dan Brady. I'm Johnny Smith. I'm and, the uh, crooner, Johnny Smith. Oh, yeah, that is beautiful, man. I, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So uh, we're going to start this off with a little bit of uh, the instructions that were given to the Nazi scientists. Uh, during today's subject, Operation Paperclip. Uh, on orders of military, uh, of the military and government, you are to report with your family and baggage as much as you can carry to tomorrow noon, <clears throat> tomorrow at one o'clock, Friday, 22 June 1945, at the town square in Bitterfeld. There is no need to bring water or clothing. Easily carried possessions such as family documents, jewelry, and the like should be taken along. You will be transported by motor vehicle to the nearest railroad station. From there, you will travel on to the west. Please tell the bearer this letter, letter how large your family is. And that was the letter that who received? Uh, several of the scientists. It, there's variations of the letter depending on what group they were brought in over, but that's roughly what they all received. Like, hey, your family's coming. You don't have a freaking choice. Uh, you're going to the U.S. All right, for everybody tuning in, uh, I guess we should say we're talking about Operation Paperclip was yes. essentially where uh, German Nazi scientists were brought to the U.S. and other countries after World War II to develop our space program. So um, that's a little bit of context. And I will say, this is a history pro podcast, also a comedy podcast. We know a lot of lives were lost in this. We know a lot of human suffering and you know our hearts go out to those people, but we're gonna try and make uh, this a fun episode. So if we say something that comes off as insensitive, change the fucking channel. We're here to have some fun. <laughs> Amen, Johnny, amen. So, um. How's your week been? Uh, sorry for the delay on this episode, folks. I was rather busy this past week. Um, it was a good week. How was yours? Uh, my week was pretty good. Dan's like, how was your week, Johnny? By the way, mine was great. Wait a second. I'm not going to go into it. I'll let you explain first. Dan, tell these people what you did. You know I don't like to talk about myself. I was on Dan a, doesn't uh, like to hunt He uh, or does love, loves to hunt. He went on a veteran's hunt this past week um got himself a nice doe got some yeah. meat out of that yeah uh, went to the the mountains of pennsylvania a lovely family had a stay in their home uh we were on close to 1400 acres i mean it was just massive it was great uh last wednesday i was lucky enough to harvest a very big doe and uh i had a great time but you know uh, last week started with me killing on stage in bray ohio and then going to the mountains of pennsylvania and killing the doe from one high to another dan uh, oh yeah man oh hey well i know i speak for uh i speak for myself and everyone else when uh, congratulations to you oh and uh for the people that get their panties in a bunch it was a very ethical hunt and a very uh swift and ethical killing one shot one kill 15 feet 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, that's what you always strive for when you pull the trigger or release an arrow. And luckily, um, there was no uh, issues with delivering the shot. The deer went down rather quickly. And um, it is cut apart and in my freezer right now. Well, you, I think you are overstepping your boundaries a little bit because that's not the goal for everyone. I know when I go out, I go out with a custom grappling hook so I can shoot a deer and pull it in like a scorpion. Get over <laughs> here. I like, to, I like to see my meat uh, look at me in the eye and know that I am their ender. <laughs> All right. Well, there's too much uh, to unpack there for an episode. Uh, I so am your god today, <laughs> dear. <laughs> oh, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'm wow. <laughs> I told Dan I'm not going to be impressed until he fucks a deer and not kills it and fucks it. I mean, walks up there, spits some uh, deer game and seduces the shit out of it. I'll take it to a cornfield in a movie. Take it. If you build it, they will come. Oh, man. If you put it in, they'll come. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, get on to our episode. I just did a really over-enthusiastic crap, clap, and I am in my room by myself. I don't know why I did that. I'm never alone when I have Jesus' love with me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I also have, we also have Charlie and uh, Ralphie here. Oh, yeah. How are those two doing? Those are uh, they're, Johnny's turtles. They're, they're my beautiful African side neck turtles. They are doing well. Uh, I have a new aquarium set up coming for them uh, within the next two weeks. They're in a 20-gallon tank. They're going to be bumped up to a 55-gallon. And I actually went to Home Depot today and bought the uh, materials to make them a, an extremely large basking platform. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah, man, I think it's going to look pretty dope. I'm excited about it. That's good, man. Man, I... Uh... When I record these episodes, because I talk so much, I get like three different drinks. And to start it off, I had some peppermint tea, and that was really fucking good. My desk is like a crazy man. Um, sitting beside me, I have a cup of black coffee, because even though I joke about people who drink black coffee being sociopaths, I prefer black coffee. I have a bottle of spring water. And then I have a bottle of spring water that has been polluted with strawberry drink enhancer. And then I have a half a bottle of water that I plan to put Kratom in at some point during this episode. So I'm right there with you, brother. What the fuck is Kratom? Kratom is like the poor man's, uh, it's, it's like a, a pain reliever, like mm. uh, some natural shit, some powder. You can take it in capsules and whatnot. They sell it the same place as they sell like CBD. It's kind of like an opium that's not an opium because it makes you feel kind of decent, but it's not like a heroin high or anything. It sounds like something that Trevor Austin gave me in the parking lot and I felt great for like five days. Is that really what happened? Because that's what happened to me. He was telling me about Kratom and I was like, I want to try some. He gave oh, so it is this stuff. Yeah, so it is that stuff. And uh, they sell it in like the corner stores for like $30 uh, for maybe 100 grams or whatever. I went online and bought a kilo for 60 bucks. Damn. Kratom or cocaine? Damn. I mean, so, I can't afford cocaine, but anybody selling uh, holiday sales, hit me up. <laughs> so, uh, 
Operation Paperclip, what's your knowledge behind this? Operation Paperclip is when after the war, uh, to my knowledge, the smartest and brightest, I don't want to say the best German Nazis, because they weren't the best people, but they were the brightest, the most intelligent, were taken to other countries, um, some under the threat of death, but essentially saying, hey, you motherfuckers are pieces of shit, but you're too smart to kill, so build our rockets and shit for us. Right, right, yeah. Um, basically, we're going to, uh, on these episodes, discuss like German rocketry, why their science was so sought after, you know, and some of the lives of these scientists and stuff like that. Yes. So yeah, man, get ready for a lot of details. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. We get to learn, you know, kind of the history of rockets and some of the scientists that helped put us into orbit. All right, let's dive into history. Yes, sir. Uh, I hope you enjoy, folks. And like my partner said, let's dive into this subject and have a little fun. folks um just to get right into it uh after the last shots of world war ii were fired and the process of rebuilding uh germany and europe began the western allies and the soviet union tried to obtain the services of the third reich's leading scientists especially those involved in rocketry missile technology and aerospace research naturally this was a delicate affair due to the in fact, many of the German scientists were not only Nazis, but had helped the Nazis' war machine terrorize the world. Uh, <clears throat> and it wasn't just America, too. Um, for their part, the Soviets retained uh, their ruthless imperium, imperial ambitions, uh, which manifested in various ways. They allied with Hitler for a time in 1939 to 1941, planning to divide uh, Eastern Europe between the two expansionist states. Uh, they devastated the Ukrainian uh, population with an engineered genocidal famine, which claimed to 3 million victims. The Soviet uh, refusal to evacuate Eastern Europe following the war, instead of retaining um, formerly democratic countries as vassal states, uh, spoke volumes about their intentions. So. There's a fear along with this too. Another reason why we did this is because we saw the monster that Russia was becoming. You know, we've talked yeah. about this in Korea, uh, but they're right now everybody else is looking at each other and go, holy shit, Russia's crazy. Well, things are ramping up around this time, and it is essentially, you know, they're thinking if if we don't do it, Russia will, and we can't allow that to happen. Right. So both the Western allies and the Soviets knew of, <coughs> of uh, Adolf Hitler's V-2 rocket program, the forerunner of the ballistic missiles and the space race. Each recognized the immense strategic value of these technologies and wished to secure uh, their benefits for themselves. Uh, Soviets contemplated additional expansions following the Great Patriotic War, and the U.S. military came to understand the putative allies of today 
would emerge as the enemies of tomorrow. <coughs> Fuck. Um, men possess. <coughs> Jesus Christ, Dan. Take yourself a second. I'll, I'll take. Pardon me, folks. I'm always the professional here. Um, so the result was the American-led Operation Paperclip on the Western side, which resulted in German scientists putting their expertise at the disposal of the U.S. and the other NATO members. Now, Operation Paperclip aimed not only to obtain the benefits of German scientific advances for the United States, but also to deny them to the potentially hostile Soviets. As General Leslie Groves enunciated, Heisenberg was one of the world's leading physicists, and at the time of the German breakup, he was worth more to us than 10 divisions of Germans. <clears throat> Had he hmm. fallen into the Russian hands, he would have proven himself invaluable to them. Uh, <clears throat> these scientists uh, would appear uh, the Western approach, however, um, interested the Germans because it is typically met with voluntary compliance on the scientist part. Uh, in contrast, the Soviet um, answer to paperclip, uh, Operation Osoviakium, uh, used the implied threat of imprisonment, torture, and death, to, uh, the characteristic tools of Stalinist Russia to coerce assistance from German scientists and engineers following the war. These men yielded rich dividends to the Soviet state in terms of achieving at least temporary uh, technical parity with the U USSR's uh, rivals. Now, what do you, what, let's stop for a second because you're dumping a lot of information here. What do you think of this, Dan? <clears throat> I think that they were glad that they had Russia so they could justify this. If we don't get them, Russia will. And Russia's evil because communism bad. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I struggle with this whole thing, like with the morality of it. Like, yeah, these guys were like um, space nerds, but still, you know, like Warner Von Braun was a member of the SS. So it's like they're... They're brilliant minds, but they weren't good guys. Well, that, that's the thing. If we're going to say they're brilliant minds, we can't excuse the fact that they were human pieces of garbage. And as we're going to figure out, they were very complicit and even involved in war crimes. Um, oh, ab absolutely. So, like, do I think that they should have been given, you know, houses and place to live and their families brought into the United States? No, probably not. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it helped us out exponentially in terms of uh, progressing the United States and putting down the, uh, the, those damn commies in Russia. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I dig it. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't, can we, you shouldn't, it? we shouldn't just give Suckle. them a free pass. Yeah. No, um, good. I'm glad you got that. Uh, I mean, eventually we're going to do a dive on the Nuremberg trials, which is a, what a lot of these guys were avoiding. Um, but then it's also like the amount of destruction that they caused from their rockets. 
Yeah, yeah. The people that have been affected by it negatively, the, the death toll. I mean, for, let's be honest, for science to advance, people have to die usually. But yes. these people uh, expediated the process. Oh, they, uh, they definitely helped speed it up. Um, the most, uh, most well-known example of the Operation Success uh, is Warner Von Braun was once a member of a branch of the SSS involved in the Holocaust would become known as the father of rocket science mm. and fascinate the world with visions of wing rockets and space stations as a new Manhattan project, one that uh, NASA would eventually adopt. See, it, it's just, it's, it's so conflicting the whole time. Yeah. You know, because even as a, uh, uh, someone in charge, giving the orders to say, okay, let's go get these guys over here. It's still like, come on. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, but Von Braun's expertise was used for America's most historic space missions. You know, NASA also had to develop um, rockets capable of first launching the spacecraft into orbit and then to the moon. The Soviets struggled throughout the 1960s to design rockets up to the task, but thanks to Von Braun, NASA got it right with the uh, Saturn V, Saturn V rocket, which is uh, to this day remains the most powerful launching rocket um, uh, NASA ever used. You know? Oh, really? Like, yeah. I did not uh, know that. So, like, we are going to be talking about a lot. Huh, okay. That's going to be interesting. That is definitely going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so we're going to get into it. Uh, but first, you know, what, what overall are your thoughts on this? Um, you know, it, it, it kind of ha had to happen in order for, you know, things to progress. Scientifically, it's just unfortunate that it did, and maybe we shouldn't have treated these guys so well. Right. And you know what? Well, on the fact, maybe we should have fucking went down to Argentina a little bit. Um, yeah. For I mean, that's a yeah. whole other can of worms. But once you start talking about Nazis and ex-Nazis, just everything fuck starts spilling out. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we could do, you could do a podcast about the Nazis and have thousands of fucking episodes. Like, it's ridiculous. There's so much information out there. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. So anyway, uh, though extremely different men in most ways, uh, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Third Reich Fuhrer Adolf Hitler shared a passion for science, technology, and sometimes impractical wonder weapons. In some cases, this fixation paid off handsomely, as in the case of British uh, centrometric uh, radar, a complete powerful radar type that enabled fitment to individual aircrafts and contributed to the defeat of German U-boats. German huh. science, okay. yeah. German science obviously failed to snatch victories uh, from the jaws of defeat as Hitler fondly imagined it might. Nevertheless, the Germans made crucial advantages, um, advances, including the first functional jet fighter, 
uh, infrared sights for sniper rifles, plans for a flying wing style aircraft, nuclear bomb research, uh, which <clears throat> isn't that impressive, not compared to ours uh, and V1 and V2 rocket technology. Okay, fair enough. Uh, though some of Hitler's uh, weapons programs inflicted damage on the Allies, most proved counterproductive. Uh, they used the vast quantities of money, material, and know-how, which otherwise could have produced large numbers of ordinary but effective aircraft or vehicles. Uh, so they spent a lot of their money on this technology, and they didn't really see the payoff in terms of what they could have done with the money, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and in fact, Germany's experimental sciences programs hindered its war effort and produced advances whose benefits occurred mostly to its enemies, uh, both Eastern and Western. The V-2 rocket even caused supplies problem for the German food supply since each rocket required, uh, uh, each rocket's fuel required the rendering of 30 tons of potatoes to produce the sufficient alcohol. Ah. Uh. Um, most spectacularly, the Germans laid the groundwork for the era of the ballistic missiles to follow with the Vengeance Weapons Program. Um, that doesn't surprise me, though. <laughs> right. That, uh, that nickname is pretty on par for what we know about the Germans. Uh, the advent of relatively advanced liquid and solid fuels for rocket weapons made them viable again after a period during which rifled artillery overshadowed them. An additional factor creating German man interest, German interest in military rockets came from their complete omission among the restrictions placed on Germany's army, army by the Treaty of Versailles at the end of World War One. This major loophole led the Germans to uh, hope uh, improved rocket uh, rocketry could replace artillery, which the treaty nearly banned. Huh. Yeah, they're very restricted after World War uh, One. Okay. Huh. That's I would I would have never thought that though. Yeah. Um, the Germans also felt considerable popular enthusiasm for space flight, reinforced by the well-received 1929 science fiction film um, <clears throat> "Woman in the Moon," produced by Fritz Lang. Uh, and uh, uh, Max Villier, uh, an Austrian author, also promoted spaceflight, interplanetary exploration, and a spread, spread knowledge of the potential offered by liquid-fueled rockets to an intrigued public. Uh, thus, rocket science achieved both popular um, cachet and official backing in the 1920s to 1930s Germany. It's hard to believe that they were just all like, oh, my God, the moon. Oh, my God, this is great. Like, Germany was just a bunch of fucking space nerds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they definitely were. Fuck them. Oh, yeah. No, that's just a detail that's so, like, weird to me. Like, a, a group of people we just know for being violent and land hungry and, you know, just brutal uh, at least in their history, are like, oh, space. Oh, my God, rockets. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. They're definitely, like, you fucking nerds. Yeah. 
Um, by contrast, Russia and American rocket scientists failed to drum up support despite their insights and advances. Like this guy, Robert Goddard, launched the first ever liquid fuel rocket in 1926, but was only met by mockery and scorn from the press, uh, which then ignored him. Um, so, you know, we tried, but like nobody cared. Again, Germany was like awestruck with the idea of space. Yeah, I mean, you know it's, why, it's, Johnny? It's, why? No Jewish people in space. Oh, wow. That was terrible. <laughs> you know, space, space is fascinating. Um, I think it attracts everybody. You know, it's not just the Jew haters out there. Everyone's fascinated with space. And we, we always have. And we're still space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, both the Americans and Russians who ignored their rocket scientists embraced the German fad after exposure to Third Reich science during World War II. So it's like they could have had it, but then once they saw it, like, oh, the Joneses have rockets. Why couldn't we have rockets? Yeah. German rocketry continued to develop in the 1930s. Um, again, they started this before Hitler. Uh, they were largely driven by the exonerable enthusiasm of Hermann Oberth, who recruited the young uh, Warner von Braun, a fellow enthusiast of the possibilities of space flights, space nerds, uh, an eccentric but highly motivated uh, a group of young engineers, scientists, and workmen came together to found the uh, Rocket Flying Plaza. I'm not even, huh. you know what? I'm gonna take a take a run at this German name here, Rakuten Flugplatz. That's a hell of a fucking name, dude. Yeah, I probably fucked that up terribly, but That's it trans trans name. translate to Rocket Flying Plaza. Uh, the first construction and testing ground for modern rockets in the world. Eventually, Von Braun's combination of easy, friendly, personal charm and family clout uh, won the rocket enthusiast army backing <clears throat> and funding, albeit at the cost of secrecy and outside control. Huh. While most of the men felt patriotic and even nationalistic attachment to Germany, their motives centered mostly on being able to finally obtain the funding to create the rockets all of them dreamed of. As von Braun once explained, there has been a lot of talk that the rocket plaza finally sold out to the Nazis. In 1932, yeah, I however, when the die, I'll let you continue here. When the die was cast, the Nazis were not yet in power and to all of us, uh, Hitler was just another mountain bank on the political stage. Our feelings toward the army resembled those of the early aviation pioneers. The issue in these discussions were merely how the golden cow could be milked most successfully. You know, uh, it's just, it, I, I get it. You know, they were scientists first and whoever was going to fund them was going to fund them. But we cannot just fucking let them scapegoat. Fuck these pieces of shit every time. They're right. Like, like every time someone mentions something like, oh, this was started before Hitler's rise to power or they yeah. didn't care who was, you know, it's like, I get it. But you know, a lot of people fucking died and you guys were like, cool beans. Can this uh, propel us to space? The, the general, like, 
tone of anything I read is like, these guys, they weren't associated and blah, blah, blah. And it, it kind of also goes on to like, the, what would you do? Would, would you die and your entire family die? Or would you build rockets like you dreamed of doing? They're like, they're like, we don't hate the Jews. We love the Jews. We just love rocketry so much more. Yeah, that's like the, the argument for Robert E. Lee. Uh, like, oh, he was a great guy. Yes, he did teach his slaves how to read and write, uh, even though it was illegal. Yes, he treated like human beings. But the, at the end of the day, he stood up to defend Virginia instead of standing up to abolish slavery. Well, another thing, at the end of the day, he taught his slaves to read and write. He was good to his slaves, but they were still his fucking slaves. Mm -hmm. History paints a very nice picture. Yeah, that's all well and good. That's fucking dope. Teach him to read. I love literacy, even in slaves. But don't think he didn't crack that fucking whip when he needed to. Don't think he wasn't abusing human lives out here just because he was kind to them for the most part. All right. Before you jump on your soapbox, no soapbox here. Just fuck them. <laughs> With no lube. Uh, while the army of the Weimar <laughs> Republic wanted to restore German strength in case of an eventual war, Adolf and the other national socialist leaders wanted swift revenge and immediate uh, territorial uh, advancement. The strengthening of the Soviet Union during the 1930s also proved <clears throat> impetus to rearmament armament they didn't know if they could trust russia and they wanted to crush everybody at their feet okay i mean that's like i get that i i definitely get that crush everybody um eventually the third reich's leaders chose the island i've used them as the site for their their rocket program <clears throat> this was a uh, tourist attraction um <clears throat> with the beaches and the sunniest climate of any baltic island uh the island represented uh, a popular tourist resort from the 19th century through the earliest 21st century. So they took a popular place and said, we're going to blow shit up here? Basically. Okay, because that doesn't... You know, from what I understand, the Germans don't have a lot of humor. Like, maybe that's a stereotype, but I've heard that from numerous sources that the Germans are now very serious people. So, like... Uh, the location enabled rocket tests without food. Yeah, for the most part, they are a very uh, serious people. Um, so they did these tests without fear of hitting inhabited land of which ships dedicated retrieving as much as uh, of various crash rockets as possible from the Baltic waves. The remote location chosen by Von Braun facilitated secrecy while the generally clear Excellent weather provided ample launch opportunities. Okay. You know, it, it, I don't know. There's just a lot of technical information here. And it's like, yeah, I get that part. But like, fuck this technical information, if I'm being honest, because there's so much crazy shit. But like, you know what I mean? I just can't look the other way. Like, yeah, I know. I know. But... <sighs> I'm trying to stand, tell this from as much of a neutral point as possible. See, but there was the whole world war that decided we couldn't be neutral against these fucking No, people. no, no. I get that. But the story needs to be told. And yeah. <clears throat> fuck it's like, them it's for like, doing let's, this. It's, but 
on the other hand, it, it's like Tony Stark. I'm going to be honest. I've talked about Nazis so much in the last fucking week. It's, it's driving me up a wall. It's like saying, oh, let's look at the academic merits of David fucking Duke. <laughs> well, it's like Tony Stark, right? You're, you're, you're on thin ice already. Well, listen. <clears throat> Just because he started creating technology to affect people and make their lives better, should we forget that he was a gigantic weapons mogul and essentially millions of people died at the hand of his weapons? Should we? Yes, yes. I'll tell you why. Because he had an epiphany and legitimately changed his ways in his company. He saw what he was doing was wrong and changed it. These guys knew what was going on was wrong and said, fuck it, science bitches. We don't give a shit about the juice. <laughs> the juice? Was the it juice? OJ? Oh, that's one of that's one of Cuba Cuba's jokes. Maybe it was a guy, a bad uh, German accent. I want all the juice gone. I know. Put them I was... Concentrated. Oh, that's a that's a Bo Burnham joke. Oh shit, Cuba, you're out here stealing material, motherfucker. No, a hundred percent. I I'm sorry, we're we're doing this on air, folks. But a hundred percent, he has a a song about baby Hitler, and he's like, hmm, juice. Hmm, concentrated. Maybe I should put the concentrated in camps. Oh shit! Coop, I will send. What the fuck are you doing? I will send it to you later. Oh uh, man, I love it. I love it. You're getting not only the history, you're getting hard hitting, up to the minute exposés on what in the fucking history we're putting people out there. Cuba, come in, have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. <laughs> We'd like to speak to you. <laughs> oh man. Uh well, it's not like the fucker's funny anyway. Um, so, wow. I hope you're talking about Bo Burnham because uh, I got all the love in the world for my Polish brother in Cuba. Really? And by the way, uh, we're talking about uh, a people were nothing fucking monsters to the Polish people. So we need to cut him some slack, especially this episode. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh well, the times I've seen him, he was not good. Wow. Just throwing massive shade. Kuba, I love you, brother. <laughs> uh, the remote location was chosen. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, exploring new technical frontiers as they did. Uh, these assholes naturally encountered many difficulties producing duds, which led to better designs. Because if Some... it fails, you don't give up. You keep fucking doing it. Sometimes that's why I have to take a last laxative because uh, my asshole has trouble producing duds. Goddamn. Uh, Werner von Braun remarked uh, pithily that the first A1, the Agrat 1 rocket, took us half a year to build and exactly one half second to blow up. <laughs> uh, man, that had to Go be ahead, Dan. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Dan. Let's let's reach at the bottom of the of the barrel here, the fruit that fell off the tree. No, it's just <laughs> these guys work so fucking hard to make this rocket. And then just imagine the look on their faces as it launches and then just blows up. Oh. Yeah, tough shit, fuckers. Go live your good lives. You should be all you should be all be in prison and being tortured. But Our fresh face. At the V2 facility in 1943 was Dieter Huzel. Uh, he described his first view of these futuristic weapons. I saw them, four fantastic shapes, 
but a few feet away, strange and towering us in the subdued light. I could only think that they must be out of some science fiction film. Uh, the woman in the moon brought to earth. I just stood and stared, my mouth hanging open for an explanation that never emerged. There were painted the dull olive and Is this, he... go ahead. He's describing uh, when he first sees the rockets? Yes. Uh, they were painted okay. a dull olive green and as well as their shape had won them the nickname of cucumber. Okay. So, okay. I mean, that's not, that's kind of stupid. Uh, the Piedmont facility uh, eventually employed over 3,000 scientists, uh, engineers, and artisans, plus numerous slave laborers. This is what we're going to talk about when it comes to being complicit with war crimes. These slave laborers that they had, it's just almost tragic. No, it's not almost tragic. It's horrible. It is absolutely horrible. All right. I like to see the social uh, consciousness in that statement, Dan. You're, you're stepping it the fuck up. I like it. 60,000 people helped build these rockets in these facilities, and half of them died. You had French, Polish, uh, German, um, <clears throat> you know, Yugoslavian. Uh, I know I messed that up. Just, again, everybody in Europe that Germany had, um, had conquered, <clears throat> slaves were brought in. Um, so oh. what do we do in, in the history of the world, Dan, when we have a problem that's difficult to solve? We throw bodies at it, sir. Boom. Enough bodies will get anything solved. Look at, uh, look at anything. I don't want to say anything and everything great throughout history, but slave labor has been responsible for a lot of shit. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk more about that here shortly, but we're kind of talking about the, the important people that were at the facilities. Um, okay. You had a chemist and rocket scientist, uh, William, Walt, not William, Walter Teal took a leading role. He developed a highly effect, efficient liquid oxygen uh, engine for the A4 slash V2 rocket, improved combustion chamber, better fuel injectors, and short wide engine nozzles that together produced powerful thrust with maximum fuel efficiency. Hey, Captain Facts. Hmm. You ever you ever met a uh, a chemist? No, I haven't. I don't know any chemists, but I have to imagine they are extremely fucking boring. I remember <sighs> chemistry class in high school. I legitimately only got a D. I swear to God, this has to be the truth. In order for her not to have to deal with me again next year, because I was horrible. <laughs> I mean, bro, I would start just wrestling with other students right in the middle of class, like fuck your lecture lady <laughs> um <laughs> like that swear makes... to god one time she brought these lighters that didn't have the uh the flint or whatever thinking we couldn't light them huh i had a flame going from a little lighter it was like a foot and a half and oh boy did she fucking lose her shit that explains a lot um so in the meantime uh von braun headed research on guidance systems while continuing to serve as the rocket program's face, uh, because even though he's a piece of shit, 
He was a very handsome man. He was very well-spoken. Uh, throwback to the Jack Kirby episode, like the difference between Stanley and Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby couldn't really articulate well. Stanley could. So Von Braun, because of this, became the face of the rocket program. You know, Dan, one day I hope there's two fucking podcasters in the future. They're going to be like, we're going to talk about the difference between Johnny Smith and Dan Brady today. Two guys who created some dope shit, uh, really worked well together a lot, a lot throughout their careers. Um, we're going to talk about the differences between them today. That would be fucking phenomenal. <laughs> Dan couldn't really enunciate everything, and Johnny was brilliant with words. Oh, man, I just, I just say a lot of shit, and sometimes it sounds good. So uh, in 1942, the Luftwaffe, uh, which was the German Air Force, started a second rocketry program creating the world's first cruise missile, just as the A-4V2 represented the first ballistic missile, versely known as the uh, Pfizer Fi-103, the V-1, and the Buzz Bomb. Each rocket had strengths and weaknesses. The V-1s proved very cheap, were easy to make, but they moved slow enough for other aircraft to potentially shoot them down. The V-2s demanded immense expenditure to produce, but they moved so quickly, no defense that existed could shoot them down. I'm going to have to just interject stuff throughout this whole episode. Go ahead. To add some fucking spice to this shit. Um, are, you know who Tone Loke is? The guy from the 90s who sung Wild Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a there's a meme going around. It's saying all the time, without using Sam Jackson or Morgan Freeman, who do you want to narrate your life? And I have come to the conclusion, I want Tone Loke to narrate my life. Tone Loke, if you're listening, shout out to you, brother. <laughs> all right, that was random. I want I want, I want him to be like, uh, man, he made some bad decisions. He didn't realize they would end up for him being the wild thing, and they just go up, I want Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott would be good, but I think he's too boring for my stuff. He'd be like, and John found himself in and another. And folks, this is the last What in the History episode because Johnny's speaking blasphemy. Uh, Johnny, you're on American. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to wow. call you out. Like I, love, I love Sam Elliott, but my life is just too uh, wild for Sam Elliott. <laughs> He'd be um, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break you as a young Bronco. You'll see. And I'd be like, fuck you, Sam Elliott, and punch him right in his dick. They also, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, if you're listening, I'll add you to the list. I will kick Vin Diesel's ass, and I will kick David Arquette's ass, and I will say that publicly. I don't think you'll beat David Arquette. I'll beat the shit out of David Arquette. I, I don't think so. Shit. David Arquette is expecting people to use, you know, proper moves and physical violence. I will gouge his fucking eyeballs out. He doesn't know what fury I'm coming with. All right, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I get riled up. I get riled up. Sorry, guys. Uh, Sorry, guys. Back to this. So they they also invested in money in a uh, intercontinental ballistic missile uh, dubbed the America Bomb. No, Dan, I can't let you go without interjecting saying of those three fucking people, uh, David Arquette is the one that I can't beat up. So Vin Diesel's in pretty goddamn good shape. And according to you, Sam Elliott's the most American American in the world. But David Arquette is the guy I can't take. Carry on with your goddamn story. Dude, I'm, try I'm trying to lead a podcast full of detail, okay? I can't process everything you throw at me. Sam Elliott would probably shoot I will you slit. dead. <laughs> I would slit David Arquette's throat with my big fucking toe. 
<laughs> all right, man. If that's that's what you want to believe. What do we talk about all the time? Never underestimate your opponent. You know what? You know what, Dan? My wife told me that I couldn't beat David Arquette, but she only said that one time. <laughs> Bring right. it. Back to what history, folks. David Arquette, you got a fucking death wish. Come find me. <laughs> In 1940, Heinrich Himmler wanted to extend the SS influence to the rocket program, and he pressured Werner von Braun into joining the organization despite his lack of political commitment. Von Braun... Okay. Go ahead. I don't think it was that difficult to convince him. No, neither do I. <clears throat> okay. Like, I don't think he was kicking and screaming. It was probably uh, probably more prestigious for him to be part of it. And it, everything I've read mentioned that he primarily joined the SS to work on his passion, which was rocketry. But his eventual rise to the rake of major tainted his reputation and dogged him following the war which it should have now for those of us who aren't uh deep in nazi uh officer rankings what the hell why why is any of that like bothersome uh because that's a high-ranking official in the ss you know he he rose through the ranks like if he didn't want to be here and he wouldn't perform so admirably to get promoted. Oh, so he got flack from people who weren't Nazis. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I was a bit confused. I thought, like, since he was a major or whatever he said, that yeah. they were like, oh, you're a pussy or whatever the fuck he is. <laughs> uh, so a few years later, Arthur Rudolph, fucking Rudolph. Another Rudolph. Uh, and several other leading uh, figures at the PM uh factory began using slave labor at the facility in 1942. Contrary to their later claims that uh, Himmler forced this move on them, because that's what they claimed, uh, their, letters, claim that. their letters and memos at the time indicated nothing but enthusiasm among the, this group's members for the use of, again, Soviet, Belgian, Polish, Yugoslavians, uh, French, is uh, Yugoslavia POWs. still a country? Yugoslavia yeah. is no longer a country, right? I don't know. Yeah, it was broken apart in uh, like the early 90s during the, the, the war over there with like Croatia and Slovakia. I know uh, Ber Ber Bosnia. There's a, there, it, it's split into like five different countries. Right. I'm not sure, man. Uh, so like <laughs> these, and there's also um, indication that like, Von Braun needed a new lab built. So he he ordered a uh, a new shipment of slave laborers to uh, hurry up the process. So these guys weren't like, oh no, not the slave laborers. They're like, yeah, everything's getting done quick. This is great. Um, I mean, these guys weren't even given tools to dig tunnels uh, because the Nazis were afraid that that would lead to a rebellion. Uh, they were probably right, because when you treat people like fucking human garbage, they want to rebel. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That's just the nature of the game right there. Uh, arm the peasants and they will revolt. Uh, so the, the V2 pr proved to be spectacular during launch, uh, delighting the scientists who labored uh, to produce it. It looked like a fiery sword going into the sky and team made team member would later recall um 
the good, rocket good. dreams come true good for you guys. <clears throat> the v2 had a max maximum range of 200 miles the rockets arrived out of its target at 2500 miles per hour far too fast for aircraft or flak to intercept and each missile strike came with essentially no warning that human synapses had time to respond to. Landing on open ground, a V-2 blew a crater 50 feet in diameter into the soil while its mass and velocity permitted it to plunge all the way to a building's uh, basement prior to detonation, to, uh, demolishing even the sturdiest of structures. So they were, they were fucking shit up. That was their MO. What can we fuck up the best? Right. Um, and but the accuracy was very poor, however, with misses of 14 miles to 40 miles were not uncommon. The Germans built at the highest, uh, estimate 6,915 V2 rockets, a remarkable and remarkably wasteful feat given the 46 foot length and immense complexity of each missile. Some 3,225 rockets that reached their targets killed 2,700 British citizens. The effects in Antwerp, Belgium, however, reached appalling levels. As many as 30,000 civilians and soldiers died in V-2 strikes, including 591 people killed on December 16, 1944, when a V-2 uh, struck a packed theater the Rex Cinema while they were screaming, screening the Gary Cooper film, The Plainsman. The rockets also sank at least 150 ships and approximately 1,500 slave laborers died while building the V-2s, a deadly effect which might also uh, be counted among the weapon's death toll. Okay. Uh, at the end, the V-2 provided an impressive display of technolo technology's expanding potential but a lack of punch to achieve what Hitler wanted. <clears throat> on the other what, hand what, what's hold on hold on hold on well then what exactly did hitler fucking want because from what i understand you know they're making great strides so what the fuck was he, he looking he for? wanted he, he wanted enough rockets to cause the devastation that would uh um make the enemy surrender like he he wanted kind of effect that we had on hiroshima and nagasaki okay okay i can understand that then that makes sense meanwhile on the other hand, the German nuclear program was so small that they never had a chance to fire a atom bomb. They never even created one. It just kind Good. of shows you the difference of like putting money into different places. Like we didn't put any money into ballistics missile program, but we put all our money into the Manhattan Project. So we were able to, you know, uh, make a working atom bomb and they never even came close to building one. However, they have ballistic missiles out the ass. Can we say thank God they never succeeded in making an atomic bomb because the world would oh, probably yeah. be totally different? Oh, yeah. It would uh, probably be a lot of barren wasteland because I could see them going overkill. Oh, for sure. Uh, they also worked on various aircrafts and aerodynamics during the Warriors hoping to create designs capable of tipping the war in the Third Reich's favor. So they just started throwing money at this, like, hey, we're getting our asses kicked now. I um, wish someone would invest in our podcast the way they did, invested in weaponry. Right. 
Um, and they also provided a firm foundation for rapid aeronautics advances uh, by the victors of World War II. Huh. huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so like, I don't, I don't know how to like guys for list people listening. I don't know how to proceed with all this information. Cause like, I know it's, it's stuff that needed to happen for modern advancements. You know, it's very important as far as uh, technology and, and rocket science and all that goes, but like, I know the source. So it's hard for me to be like, Oh, this is great news that they did this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm very uh, conflicted. Um, yeah, man, it's it's one of those things like if this horrible stuff didn't happen, we we wouldn't be where we're at today, or at least not as quickly as we were, uh, because the Allies produced excellent propeller planes, such as the P-51 Mustang, the P-38 Lightning, Lightning, and the submarine Spitfires. The Germans led in aircraft design and flying wing bombers design alike. Most of these designs never achieved reality during the war years beyond the planning and blueprints, but German designs enabled the allied nations to jump ahead once the information fell into their hands. The British Royal Air Establishment, or the RAE, scientists A.P. Morgan and E.J. Davis stated on seeing uh, captured Third Reich jet aircraft plans, we realized within a matter of minutes that our entire aircraft development program was already out of date. Oh, wow. That had to be, that had to fuck them up realizing that. Oh, yeah. Thing. In the final months of the war, uh, the German scientists and engineers worked in a frenzied state to try and bring their latest designs into action uh, to kind of reverse what was going to happen uh, the existence of numerous advanced test aircraft captured, evaluated, and taken for study by the uh, Allies attest to this fact. Um, you know, I think this is, since it's a history podcast, this is a, a tangent we can go on here. When those guys immediately saw that their uh, equipment was, I guess, out of date. Right. Imagine how that felt. But just imagine if you're the first people, like, whenever it was uh, 1,100, 1,200, when they developed, like, um uh like uh what's a black powder you know what i'm talking about gunpowder yeah gunpowder what the i don't know why that escaped me so difficultly uh the first people that developed gunpowder and they go into war somebody has swords and there's somebody shooting something you're gonna be like what the fuck is going on here right no i agree um and and, and to see you know to see your enemies, I guess it is, or, or whoever they were to them, um, with such an advancement, like, what, where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like, you just got to hope you win the war before they develop more shit and then hopefully steal it. Uh, and, and this, you can also see, like, the benefits of, like, expend, spending money on something. Because, again, the Americans, English, and Russians were nowhere near jet engines or ballistic rockets. Um, because they spent stingingly on their science programs. They also set very limited goals, while the Third Reich, on the other hand, directed large resources to research and encouraged extreme visionary and highly experimental projects. Hitler was known to, uh, you know, fancy the sci-fi and legends, like, uh, you know, the, the, le the legend of the German hunt for the Holy Grail. Um, here, here's, here's where we get fun 
and the occult and third reich because they not only were doing shit for science they were trying to summon shit they were trying to unlock uh uh you know just whatever talismans let's find the fountain of youth let's find the holy grail oh boy the Ark of the covenant i mean <clears throat> that's funny but like <laughs> like that's fun to do stuff like that in pop culture but the things they were trying were beyond anything i've seen in the script so far like they were really fucking out there. i mean they had red skull he was doing oh, hydra geez. they were they baron zemo they were looking for uh you know hellboy it was just really 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 bad time see dan's doing to me what i normally do to him <laughs> I, love it. I love it it feels good doesn't it yeah <laughs> now you see why i like it so much so uh you know who doesn't know anything about comic books uh this man bullshit bullshit the propaganda was at its highest right then and there buddy frank Try wardendorf uh, part of the Operation Paperclip scientific advisory team in Germany at the end of the war summarized this difference. Uh, there was no indication of the superiority of German engineers over United States engineers as individuals. Rather, their improvements were due to more forward-looking directives and freer purse strings for engineering and research matters. See, that's easy to say now. And I think it's easy to say that because it also somewhat discredits the German engineers. Right. But I don't necessarily know if I believe that because invention comes from necessity. You know, they knew they needed more firepower. So did the United States. I'm not saying, you know, <clears throat> the funding didn't play a factor, but maybe we weren't as smart as we thought we were and they right. were just fucking smarter. Right. Because um, <clears throat> even German scientists helped with the Manhattan Project. Yeah, how many times I've defended uh, World War II era Germans this week is fucking starting to scare me. I think I'm on a watch list somewhere. But, but also the Manhattan Project provided confirmation of uh, what Wartendorf had said. The Third Reich possessed a nuclear weapons program, but they didn't put the enthusiasm behind it like the Americans did. Whereas we didn't, you know, it's just kind of show you like it. If you invest in the right stuff, you can be superior. I don't like using that word, especially in the context of the episode. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's just very simple. You have to go to this camp because we're just the superior race. You have to go. It's, it's, look, Jesus himself told me we are superior. <laughs> um. So, like, one of the Imagine, last... Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. But we're looking at Germany right now in that time period. Imagine being, like, a hardcore Nazi. You know, like, you're down with everything. You're like, yeah, fuck these Jews. We're a superior race. But you are frustrated as a motherfucker because you are a closeted homosexual and you cannot come out to the Fuhrer. Right. So... <laughs> Thanks for the insight, Dan. <laughs> Man, I'm just trying to think what I'm going to say next, okay? There's several things in front of you me know, right now. You know, we do this ourselves. We, pr we produce it ourselves. It's free. Uh, and we also, you know, we put a little bit of scheduling on ourselves. But, like, we don't have to do, like, a crazy fast episode. We can relax, chill, talk about Hitler maybe being gay. Didn't he have, like, one ball or some shit? I heard he was addicted to heroin and part Jewish. Like, there's a lot to unpack He's here with these one people. 
One sixteenth Jewish. One sixteenth Jewish. God damn! Doesn't it suck when you have impure blood? Uh, his grandmother was uh, Jewish, I believe. Now, was she alive during the Holocaust? I don't think so. <laughs> Hitler made sure of that. <laughs> See what happens when you only give one of the grandchildren cookies. Stop showing favoritism. Hello, the grandmother. You said my artwork was atrocious. You know, again, this is going to sound terrible. Hitler was actually a fucking phenomenal yeah. fucking artist. Have you like, seen those Facebook posts where it's like, isn't this a beautiful landscape? You just admired Adolf Hitler's paintings. Yeah, it is ridiculous the level of skill he had at that. Like, if if only he would have, uh, you know, went a different direction, he could have been known as a beautiful artist. If he would have just got support. If well, he wasn't a tortured artist. You know, no. another another thing I learned about him was he was actually a decorated war hero. He was crazy. He was known uh, when they would sound the whistle for them to get out of their trenches. Uh, many people said he had a smile on his face. I would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that after World War One's the sanctions that everyone put on Germany yeah. destroyed the fucking country. Like, don't get me wrong, you know. I, I get it, war is war, and blah, blah, blah. They didn't finish paying their reparations to other countries until, I believe, the 90s. Like, it fucking destroyed Germany. Well, it's also, it developed this nationalistic sense of pride for Germany. Like, you know, nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah, I and mean. That's that, what that's, Hitler drew off of. Yeah, um, that was his frustrations. He, you know, we 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 should be the, the great nation that we are and blah, blah, blah. You know blah. what's weird? Uh, did you ever watch the History Channel a lot? I've watched it. They have documentaries on there where it's like Hitler's home movies. Oh, I've watched Hitler documentaries on like Hitler and Germans. Like, and something belief. that really surprised me is for the time. Fuck, I can't believe I'm going to say this. He was very good to his dogs. Jesus Christ. Okay, look, guys, again, let's 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 reel it back in. We're going to quickly put this all back into context. We are not praising him at all. We're just saying he was good to his dogs uh and he was a hell of a fucking artist, which if you look at his art, um you can't take that away from him. Right. He's a piece of shit. He should burn in hell. I don't support him in any way. But he was very skilled at many things. Like did you know uh, his process for creating speeches was essentially an open mic. Yeah. Like he would record all of them, uh, have, you know, a few people there to watch and change words and, and movements upon their reactions. Like he, he was just hitting the mics. He is, he is one of those guys that proves that if you have stage presence, that is 90% of it. I don't support him, but I dig his work ethic. Um. So are you ready to talk about the, deep, dark, dark, and dirty secrets of do, these scientists? Do you want my honest answer? Yeah. Dan, if it's with you, baby, I'll talk about anything dark and dirty. Aww. I know, I, I meant that to sound... I meant that to sound sweet, but it sounded very like, I'm gonna fuck you in the dark. <laughs> well, that's what, what I've been waiting for, partner. Jesus <laughs> Christ. And so, Dan knows how to make me clam up immediately. <laughs> So, uh, you know who probably fucked each other? Uh, Heimlich Himmler and Joseph Goebbels. <laughs> so, the Nazi science program. 
Uh, they conducted numerous war crimes. Uh, while the scientists did not participate directly, minus what we talked about a little bit earlier, um, <clears throat> for the most part, they did not object to them. There was no writings anywhere. Like I said, they're very enthusiastic about the slave labor and how fast the slave labor worked. Um, Bro, let's let's be let's look at it from a non-ethical perspective. If 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 we're taking ethics out of it, guys, slave labor is phenomenal. Like yeah. you know, if you don't care about human pain and suffering, slave labor is the fucking shit. Slave labor uh, built the world. Yeah, essentially. I do not condone it, nor do I support it. But we and, would be wow. I got really southern there. I do not support <laughs> it. Um, yee yee. Uh, all I'm saying is, the monuments ain't being racist to nobody. <laughs> but here's the thing about those monuments, though most of those were built uh, between 1955 and 1960 as a way for the South to say to the freshly uh, desegregated black population, ha ha ha, we used to own you. Do not smoothly try and make it sound like I want the statues. I could give a fuck less, take them up, tear them down, do whatever you want. Johnny, fuck the statues. Um, fuck the statues. You, you know, know what statues I like? Fucking gargoyles. And you know who was trying to create those? The fucking Nazi scientists. Let's get back to them and their rockets. <laughs> the Luftwaffe effectively rented the slave labor from the SS. Both Let's go build- with that again. What, what was that word? The Luftwaffe. Okay, effectively- I wasn't talking shit effectively rented it's the german air force uh that's what these rocket programs fall underneath uh they rented slave labor from the ss both to build facilities and to they operate. rented yep so uh, let me borrow some of your jews you're about to kill yes uh oh, to wow. operate manufacturing lines making no. v2 rockets and other high-tech weaponry Dan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, brother. But we cannot, now that you fucking said that, we cannot keep we going. We are about to talk about it a little bit more, okay? Just hold on. I'm just saying with the context with uh, we are being just Give me one second, please. The SS charged a per day fee for each slave worker set well below the average wage of a regular German citizen and provided all services such as guard, food, uh, barely food, and so on. Oh, man, imagine. Okay, can, can we touch on it now? Yes. Okay, first off, before I even touch on it, imagine being a guard. What the fuck? I'm, <laughs> I'm in a concentration camp during the night, but I'm a guard by day. Or imagine cooking these motherfuckers' food. No, st- no, the guards were SS. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, so now that we said... Uh, the whole episode, we've been going on the premise that they didn't support uh, what was going on, but they were complacent. Now, with you telling me they rented slave labor and were fascinated, fascinated by it, the just being complacent goes completely out the window. They were active participants. Well, the, remember, the, not to defend them, because uh, you are right, but the Luftwaffe rented the slave laborers for these tasks. Um, they there's a big meeting and again none of these scientists uh said no to this but it yep. was ultimately the Luftwaffe's decision but there's again there's no record of these guys saying like i didn't like it or anything like that warner von braun even uh 
he even bought slaves from the SS to use them for tasks that he wanted. I got to um, get back on a, on a, on a little tangent here. You said there was no uh, proof that like written proof or whatever that they supported this, right? No, that they were against this. Okay. There was no written proof that they were against it. I want to say a couple things. Um, first off, a lot of shit was burned, you know? Yeah. So a lot of stuff was lost and technically uh, there's no paper trail that can prove that Hitler knew about the extermination of the Jews. So if we're going to say, you know, there's no paperwork, there's no paperwork that proves uh, Hitler knew that Jews were being exterminated. No, a lot of shit was I, I choose to believe that these guys were so dedicated to science that at some point this would have made them feel bad. And one of them would have said something. These guys were more concerned about getting rockets uh, warheads on foreheads than they were about the treatment of their fellow humans. They, they kept their own personal notes and <clears throat> they later said in interviews how they were uproar, but there is no documentation. There are records from meetings where these guys shut the fuck up and said nothing. There's also records that these guys ordered slaves for tasks that they needed. They supported it. They were okay with it, and they never protested it. Fuck all of what you're saying. I'm, what do you mean all of what I'm saying? Ugh. I don't know where I defended these guys. I said <laughs> they were active participants, and I said, if we're going to say there's no proof that they objected, we can also say that there's no proof Hitler knew about the concentration camp. Mm. So I'm saying it's a fucked up argument. These guys are complete pieces of shit, and we're all for it. So, uh... Jesus, Dan, <laughs> we got to listen to each other on this shit. You just made me out to be like a monster. <laughs> he said, fuck everything you're saying. I just said what you were saying, goddammit. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, man, how does it feel? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, I should know, like, if people listen to this, they know my stances already, but I'm always worried for someone to get that special sound clip. Where it's Listen, like, here's Dan Brady telling Johnny Smith, fuck Nazis, while Johnny supports him. <laughs> if last podcast on the left hasn't been canceled yet, we won't be. We're okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you that. We're no, who, so, who, who are we to cancel? Hey, you guys can't record with each other every night. Uh, uh, the, who, SS, the SS preferred to spend the least amount possible on their slaves to maximize their profits. Feeding the men very little, dressing them in thin rags, providing no medical treatment. The guards motivated the victims to work with shouting, threats, and constant blows and beatings. The most uh, hideous of these events occurred at the Middlework uh, facility built securely in a former gypsum mine where Allied bombers could not reach it. French resistance fighter, Polish soldiers, and Soviet prisoners of war made up the slave labor at this facility, which the Nazis deemed too sensitive to be handled by the Jewish. Um, so, uh, Frenchman, uh, Jean Michael described the nightmarish conditions, the capos, the prison bosses and SS drive us on at an infernal speed, shouting and raining blows down on us, threatening us with execution. The demons, the noise bear bores into the brains and shears the nerves. The demented rhythm lasts for 15 hours, arriving at the dormitory, we collapse onto the rocks, onto the ground. Soon over a thousand despairing men at the limit of their existence, racked, racked with thirst, lie there hoping for sleep, which never comes. 
man, what the fuck? You know, they could have just provided people. Okay, I can. Uh, if I go down that rabbit hole, it's they go ahead. Should have never happened. Uh, due to fish, insufficient water facilities, the men remained in a constant state of near dehydration. Men with, um, well, half the fuel drums were used for human waste. They soon overflowed. Men with dysentery, unable to crawl up on the barrels, were often beaten to death by the SS guards as they oh, lay writhing, Damn, brutal. writhing in pools of their own diarrhea. Damn, Photographs Jesus, from I mean. the Dora concentration camp. Remember, we talked about this on uh, Shop Talk. Dora stands for a gift from God. It's a concentration camp very close to the Middlework facility um, that supplied the workers. Uh, overhead photographs show the usual rows of thousands of stick-thin corpses after the liberation. The ho these horrors underline every V2 that underlay every V2 that roared off its launch trade during the late war. While the Allies made eager use of German technology, gathering scientists, actual working devices, and mountainous halls of paper and research literature with equal avid avidity. Uh, the stench of Nazi violence and war crimes hung around the projects. Two questions for you, Dan. Yeah. Um, the first one is on brand, on topic. Um, were there any Jewish scientists at all? Like, I know there was all anti-Jew, but if they're smart enough, you know what I mean? There is one. Um, we will talk about them. And I, I, later on, I can't remember his name right now because I have so much in front of me, but he was actually told that if he worked uh, well, they would forgive him for his blood. Jesus Christ, that's awful. Um, my other question. But they ended up turning is, uh, on him and beat the shit out of him. No surprise there. Um, my other question is a little bit off topic, but you start talking about the pain and suffering. Um, are, we, are people able to visit Auschwitz? now yeah yeah now not, not well i'll get into the second part of that question but yeah now or is it like not, yeah man it's open it's open for tourism okay that'd be pretty interesting to go to i would love to do that actually i know several people that have gone that's got to be an amazing experience um furthermore i guess i didn't think this is of an option but were there tours back then like no. not i not of like everyday civilians but like did the higher ups ever just ride? Oh, I'm through? sure. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of these places got visits and stuff. I just I can't get my brain wrapped around thinking someone is is worthless because of the way they were born. And then not only that, you would think like if I'm riding around through an encampment and I'm just seeing death and destruction around me, I'm gonna feel some type of way. These guys were fucking monsters. So <clears throat> They w gathered all this material, and they, they kind of found the blood-soaked history in this. Um, and this, this kind of starts with the morality of Operation Paperclip. Uh, while the, these democratic countries showed no great hesitation in seizing the Third Reich's invaluable technical secrets, their governments needed reasons for bringing German scientifics, scientists and technology to their shores. Given the understanding odium attached to Hitler's murderous regime, the matters required delicate handling and remains controversial even to today. Oh, you, you don't say. Yeah, man. So, um, 
I think this is we're going to end it right here. Next episode, we're going to start to get into the acquisition of this technology uh, and start to cover some of the vast scope of Operation Overcast and Operation Paperclip. But I, I hope this was a lot of information. I hope it kind of uh, showed why uh, these scientists were so uh, pivotal to bring to the United States, why we would even think about treating Nazis with the kind of compassion that they did not deserve. Only, uh, only with the, like, the epilogue, you know what I mean? Like, what they produced, am I okay with this? Right. Or semi-okay with this. Like, if, if it turned out, you know, it was a waste and they didn't produce anything and, and we still just let them go, it would be ridiculous. I will say we are not the only fucking country that did this either. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I understand that, but, like, I don't live in, you know, France or, or any other country. And as much as I can judge them, I, we still have to look in our backyard. Exactly. Um, so I hope you enjoyed part one. Uh, please listen to part two. Uh, we aren't sure because we're in the process of recording these. And we just kind of write down all the information and base the episodes on how quickly we get through. There might be a part two. There might not. Or there might not be a part three. Uh, I don't know, but I hope you're enjoying the uh, the details so far. Dan, real quick, before you sign off, let them know about the merch. Again, Teespring. We have four different shirts up. Great quotes. We have Let's Dive Into History. We have uh, On This Night, Big Dick John uh, Became the Angel of Death. We got Fuck Russia, Front Space, and We Had No Business Being There But USA. USA. And I have a couple of our face masks that are up on our store. I have to say, they are great. I enjoy them very much. Yeah, they look dope. We uh, used the graphic from our uh, guest on Shop Talk this week, Brianna Woodward. So check her out. She also recently just designed some new logos for Inquisitive Minds podcast. It's uh, Check her out on Instagram at Not a Damn Cheese. I can't plug her enough. Very talented and skilled person. Very. Great person too. Yeah, great person to be around. Um, she's one of those rare people that live in another state, but we've met personally and uh, developed a wonderful friendship. Very much so. Um, well, folks, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, please, please stay tuned for part two. Hey, peace and love. It was a moonless night. I was eighteen years old. Now it's raining 
Devil's dog 